Hello and welcome to Plotcast. This is Meg. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> this is my fourth glass of wine. Uh, this is absolutely uh, the raw outtakes you get. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that's my line. <laughs> During our recording of our episode on Brazen and the Beast, Meg and I got a bit distracted talking about boats. And so the following is our conversation, which started out as a discussion of catamarans. Okay. <laughs> I've never been on one, though. <laughs> yeah, no, they are... You're drunk and you're tan, and it's a good time. And they are just inherently sexy places. Okay. Are, are there masks on catamarans? No, but... Like, that's my only place for comparison. Okay. I was just wondering. Yeah. Catamarans are, like, honestly, giant flotillas with a motor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I've never, never been on one. I've been on, like, little, like, rowboats and canoes and paddle boats. And, I mean, paddle boat is, like, not, like, the least sexy thing ever. No, paddle boats are profoundly unsexy. They right? smell yeah, and they're like the worst. I hate paddle boats. <laughs> so I when you were like, if you ever wanted boat sex, I was like, child. no, I never have wanted boat sex. <laughs> no, but those aren't boats. I think they are boats. I think what you're talking about is ship sex. This must be ship sex. Mm, you're right. I will. I, I'll, I'll see that to you. Okay. But like, are yachts boats or ships? Because I thought yachts were boats and yachts are sexy. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. I thought ships were big and boats were little, but I don't. I know you can have like a hundred and ten foot yacht. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. I okay. This is my honest. What I thought the difference was. I thought ships were like work boats, like military vessels or shipping vessels. I know it's a big deal in these historical romances because they're always like, it's not a boat, it's a ship. Boats and ships are both watercrafts. Boats are smaller compared to ships. A ship weighs at least 500 tons. Boat weighs lower. Ships are normally for deep water navigation. Boats can travel in shallow waters as well. Ships can carry passengers and cargo. Boats have a very limited capacity. Ships must be operated with an approved license from an authorities. Boats do, some boats do too, but not all. This is not, a, none of this gives me any real information. There's a distinct difference. Hold on, which will be, so highlight it for me. <laughs> Your face is priceless. I'm trying to figure this out. What is a ship? A ship can be defined as any large, buoyant watercraft which are used for the transportation of people, goods, warfare, etc. It's a vessel that travels on lakes, rivers, and oceans which weighs at least 500 tons. Historically, what was defined as a ship was a sailing vessel comprised of a full bowsprit and at least three square-rigged masts. There you go. Okay, that still doesn't... I don't think there is, like, a defined difference beyond the so, potential. Okay, so apparently a boat you, we, so we could call them boats because boats are watercraft of any size that are designed to float or travel on water. So, so all ships are boats, but not no all boats. All ships are boats, but not no, all boats are ships. Like I think this is a square and a rectangle thing. 
Mm, I votes, agree. Votes are rectangles. Ships are Yeah, square. every seagoing craft is below 500 tons of weight is categorized as boats. For example, catamarans, tugs, and ferries. I'm just saying, this is going in errata, but... 100% going in errata? Super useful information for me. In other words, ship is bigger than a boat. That's, and, and ships require a very large crew to manage them. But boats ships be, are boats. Ships are boats. Yes. Okay. So, anyway, I like the book. <laughs> this is the- so while Meg and I were recording an earlier episode, we ended up discussing how different authors clearly have different preferences in terms of the level of sexiness they're comfortable writing. And then that digressed into a discussion of Sherry Thomas and, and what is romance. And we thought it was interesting. So here it is for you to enjoy. <laughs> Look, I, I think there's very little change if in, in a, within a certain novelist's works. I think the level of sexiness doesn't change all that much. If you read an Elizabeth Hoyt, you're going to get sex. If you read a Sherry Thomas, you're going to get not that much sex. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm thinking, but like, we're totally off topic, but like the Bridgertons, I think, vary a lot. They, that's true. That's true. But uh, that said, you would, you know, you're going to get like three sexy scenes. Sure. And it will vary from sexy to, okay, that's pretty sexy. <laughs> and not, it's not going to vary from fade to black to, holy shit, right. what did I just read? Right, okay. You, you know what I mean? I, mean, I think everybody's got a range. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a range. Like, uh, there are certainly Sherry Thomas books that are sexier, sexier than Lady Sherlock. Right. But, totally off topic, we're going to put this in errata. <laughs> Sherry Thomas... I think I just read another book by her and what she's really good at is sexual tension. Oh, you can cut it with a knife. She's so good at it. And then I honestly think that the Lady Sherlock are better because it does fade to black and you don't give up that sexual tension. I just recently read another one where, I mean, I thought this was going to lead up to some explosive like bedroom scene. It was like very sexy, very, it's like so much sexual tension. And then it got to the bedroom and I was like, oh, well that was a letdown. So I would almost rather have it when I read her, Mm -hmm. I want it to fade to black. I don't know if it's just because I've read the Lady Sherlock series rather than her romance novels, but I like at this point I'm grouping Sherry Thomas in with... Bujold and Peters. Like historical more, fiction. More yes. than in romance novels. Mm-hmm. And like that there's at times crackling sexual tension and uh-huh. crackling promise of something. Oh yeah. But like I'm with you. I'm glad there's not explicit sex in Shards of Honor. I'm yeah. glad that it fades to black in He Shall Thunder in the Sky. Yeah. Like I'm glad that spoiler alert for the art of theft some things get twisted around uh-huh you what you mean um hollow fear hollow sorry fear. yeah that's okay because art of theft They're but both, anyway you know what i mean yes i do and like, i mean i'm, I'm not yeah 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 because yeah. it would be totally weird yes for them to do that now just rip each other's clothes off and give me yeah. elizabeth white yes and so to me sherry thomas is almost a weird example because i don't consider her a romance author at this yeah. point well i mean i was reading like a pure romance novel and i was like "Ooh, mm-hmm. i'm like i'm gonna get some from sherry and i did not 
like I was like, damn, I was like, Sherry is really building it up. Like it's it's a good it's called The Luckiest Lady in London. Really good book. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Except I, I honestly wish it had faded to black. It had faded to black. Like I wish that they had been less explicit. And this is coming from Lane and Meg, who are all about the book owners. <laughs> New you title know? for the podcast. New title. Rebranding. <laughs> but and I was like, I was disappointed. It's like there are certain horror movies where they're really scary until you see the monster. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, that's not that scary. Yeah. That's what Sherry Thomas is. She's so good at like building the tension that it can be a letdown. Well, I mean, realistically, the only way to resolve the type of sexual tension that Sherry Thomas seems to have built is like, a three chapter epic a yes. la hating game. Like, yeah. like that's, that's what would be required. Exactly. And if but, you're not good at that, right. don't try. Right. But I'm still going to read her books, but I'm preferring her as a fiction author, not as a romance author. Right. Yep. And I love her as a fiction author. I love her. I love her so much. And I will say that My Beautiful Enemy is coming soon. Uh, so good. But I wouldn't be surprised if My Beautiful Enemy is the last of her books we do as a romance novel. Yeah. We'll still probably do her in Romance Adjacent. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading her stuff because I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad that she's transitioned out of the historical romance. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I like historical romance, but... I mean, I love historical romance, but I don't think she's great at historical romance. I think she's a great writer she's who a can great tell writer. a phenomenal story. Yes. And she actually doesn't want to conform to the, I'm writing a book about watching people fall in love. Mm-hmm. She, there's more. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I love reading a book about people falling in love. Yes. But she does not seem to be able to write about that exclusively. Yeah. She and, needs more. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she, I mean, she has written about that. And I, I recommend The Luckiest Lady in London because I really liked it. And I think there are certain people who, that's what they prefer in their mm-hmm. romance novels, but the, it's just not us. Yeah, I mean, I know that they say less is more. I've never disagreed with an adage more in my life. I know, I know. You know when, what's her name, Chanel? Coco Chanel said, oh, when you leave the house, you should take off an accessory. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-uh, no, mm-hmm. put, put them all, all on. on. What part of, in our review of the uh, Secrets of a Summer Night, did you not understand when I was like, buy me the jewelry, put it on. I want to wear nothing but the diamonds. Like, like forever and <laughs> ever. He tries to take it off and he's like, I think it's too big. And she's like, no, it's not. Don't even touch my finger. <laughs> Correct That's, response. Yeah, exactly. That's me. My child is like, I want to put my jewelry on. I'm like, no, leave my jewelry alone. It's mine. I get to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> we have totally digressed. Anyway. Um, Here's a brief excerpt from our conversation with Connor. Most of our conversation, as you've already heard, was focused on dating simulation and video games, but we did ask her a bit about her favorite romance novels. So what's your favorite romance novel? What's my favorite romance novel? Um, I don't really know. I have a, I have like a different, a bunch of different kinds of, a bunch of different kinds of likes. Um, I liked, uh, like, a lot of, like, the old sort of, like, stuff by Georgette Heyer, I think, is still really funny. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I don't think I emotionally I could even handle to read like some of Laura Kinsale stuff anymore. And I think some of it is really like problematic. That's like old, like, mm-hmm. um, there's one called flowers from the storm. Is that the one where there's like a ninja? I don't even remember. Those are like old super classics. Um, I li- I've liked a lot of Courtney Milan stuff. Uh, I did like Jennifer Ashley's books. I had forgotten. It's funny because you just sort of like remember the names of, um, you remember the names of the book or like the names of the character. Um, yeah. Um, what's Meredith Duran was writing a lot of stuff actually uh, that was set in the Victorian era um, mm-hmm. that I thought was very well written and sort of very, uh, very aware of like Victorian norms I thought was interesting. Uh, I think her first book, which was called Duke of Shadows had a hero who was um, actually from India an Indian guy, or at least partially Indian, which was interesting. Um, and I really liked her stuff just from someone who's like studied Victorian literature. I thought it was interesting. Cool. Oh, I have to check that out. I'm always nervous when white women are writing biracial characters. Yeah. But I will take your recommendation. Um, I don't even know when that book was written. It might be long enough ago that, um, Let's see, when was this? It was, yeah, that book came out in 2008. So uh, to be honest with you, it could be absolute garbage. At, at that point, it was um, it was the first book that I had written that, that had like, it was set in India and it had like an Indian character in it. And I was yeah. like, oh, the, there's, the hero is actually a person of color who is not a frighteningly written Native American person. Oh gosh, I, uh, yeah. Because who wants, we, yeah, I mean, you don't want to touch that kind of stuff with the 10 foot pole, but... Uh, um at the time um I was sort of like looking around for more progressive stuff and so I spent a lot of time on like the typical blogs uh that were mm-hmm. popular at the time like Smart Vicious Trashy Books and Dear Author and those those blogs sort mm-hmm. of looking around for looking around for things that were at least attempting to be a little bit more progressive um, right and at, at this point you know we're looking at uh 12 years later so probably there's better stuff out there yeah I mean, well, who knows, though? 2008 wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we're rereading, we're rereading some classics from, what, like 2008? Yeah. And they have not aged very well. Um, if you want, like, the pretentious answer, um, I really liked Jane Eyre because it's really freaky. It is. It so, is. So, so freaky. <laughs> I love it. Jane's crazy. Jane's Jane's crazy. She's just so crazy. She's so crazy freaky. And uh, and I love it. I love how nuts she is. Have you read? So I recently read something. So I've been reading this um, romance author. We've both been reading this author named Sherry Thomas. Mm -hmm. Who's amazing. If you haven't read anything. Yeah, yeah. No, I've read stuff by Sherry Thomas. um, Check her out. So I love Sherry Thomas. She talked about this. So there's a recent mystery novel that somebody published. I can't remember her name. Um, and I can't remember the title of the book either. But it's about uh, the Bronte sisters being detectives. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look it up. That sounds nice. Yeah. It's, it's good. The Vanished Bride by Bella mm-hmm. Ellis. Okay. Which is pretty good. Sherry Thomas recommended it. I read it. And then it, I thought, wait a minute. All these books by the Bronte sisters are in the public domain. I can start reading them all. So I read Charlotte Bronte's The Professor. This book is crazy. Have you read it? I have. Oh, no. uh, yeah. 
And after oh, that, you got to read, you got to read Valette because it's also crazy freaky. Oh, that's, it's on my Kindle. So Valette is on my Kindle, but I read the professor and I was like, this is like DS stuff written. Like I was like, is this erotic or is this non-erotic dominant, dominant submission? Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> anyway, it's intense. I really love Villette. It's actually, it's actually one of my favorite novels. Because it's oh, really? I, I have to check it out then because I have to be honest. I read The Professor and I was like, ooh, this, this one took me a little too okay, far. Okay, so um, there's, there's um, a Kate Beaton comic about the Bronte sisters that has like um, Charlotte and Emily who are like, ooh, that guy's so dreamy. And there's like this dark, like surly guy walking by yeah. and Anne Bronte's over the corner being like, yeah, okay, cool. Do you like alcoholic dick bags? Um, Anne Bronte wrote a book. Uh, oh gosh, I've completely forgotten what it was, probably because I have I had a glass of wine. Um, but Anne Bronte wrote a book about um, a woman who is married to an abusive alcoholic man who leaves him. Yes, the tenant of the Wildfell tenant of Wildfell Hall. Hall. Yeah, she wrote the tenant of Wildfell Hall, which is like almost a rejection of the Byronic hero, right? Um, and I, it stands in sort of an interesting contrast to the other stuff. But I like, uh, I like Jane Eyre. Um, I like it because Jane's crazy. She's like, she's like, he's like, show me your paintings. And she's like, oh, let me show you this freaky painting, this drowned guy. <laughs> he's got like this, he's got, I mean, it's just like, it's like, so 13 so year old girl. I love it. She's like, and on the hand of the drowned person was an enormous emerald ring. <laughs> I'm like, Jane, I love you. You're so weird. <laughs> I do, I do like Jane Eyre. I do like Jane Eyre. I really love the scene where he's like proposes to her and he's like, maybe I should tell her, but I won't, you know, yeah. when you read it the second time, you're like, Ooh, this is interesting. Yeah. And then the tree explodes. Yeah. But like, he knows something that she doesn't know. And, yeah. Know. I don't think I've read Jane Eyre since high school. I'm going to have to go back and check it out. There's, oh, a, yeah. there's a really important book of literary criticism. Uh, it's aged. I would say it's aged well, and also it's been responded to, but it's, it's sort of like a seminal text called The Mad Woman in the Attic. And it talks a lot about um, the sort of the female imagination in the Victorian era. And The Mad Woman in the Attic talks about uh, Lord Rochester's wife. And Lord Rochester's wife is Lord Rochester's wife, right? Her name's Bertha. She's, uh, she's biracial, quite possibly. Um, I would love to know how many people, if you asked like a room of people who'd read Jane Eyre, how many people remember that? He, his wife that had books, a name. That book's oh, about, yeah, her name, yeah, her name was Bertha. Bertha. I yeah. don't know why, I always remembered her name was, oh, you, yeah. don't remember, you don't remember Bertha? It's just a weird name. Uh, and um, so that book's about colonialism um, to the point where uh, Jean Reese also wrote another book that parallels it. It's sort of response afterwards called Wide Sargasso Sea that's written from the viewpoint of, of Bertha, Bertha Rochester. Um, anyway, Bertha Rochester is a person but also, whenever Lord Rochester misses with Jane, Lord Rochester's like, I want you to wear this dress, Jane. Jane's like, I don't like this dress, man. And then, like, that night, uh, the crazy wife sneaks down from the attic and tears the dress in half. Or he's like, hey, Jane, I'm going to call you Janet. How do you feel about that? And, he, and she's like, not, I'm not really into that. That's not my name. And he's like, whatever you say, Janet. And then, like, the mad woman creeps down and is like, I'm going to set his bed on fire. Like... <laughs> Whenever he messes with Jane, Bertha comes down from the attic and, like, messes with Mr. Rochester. Like, Jane can't really protect herself, but Jane protects herself. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's super cool. I love it. Because she goes after him. But it's, it's, it's the mad woman in the attic. Right? 
<laughs> I have to reread this. Yeah. Yo, yo, dude, it's about how oppression, oppression, and repression makes you crazy. And then you know you can only marry the dude after he's pretty much. And then she burns totally his dependent house. on. And then you. she burns his house down. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not just he's blind. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's lost his hand. And he's poor. And he lost his poor. money too. Yeah. And that's the worst part. No, that's the best part. He can't it's all lock the her. best. He can't lock her up. Mm-hmm. She's safe. She has to take care of him. He's dependent mm-hmm. on her. So she could actually, she could lock him up. If she, yeah. like a, she could put him, she could put him, just lock him up in the house and like roll. And that's yeah, when no. you roll right into the professor and get to the DS stuff. Mm, maybe. The professor's very weird. Yeah, that is a strange book. But the, um... I mean, the first, the first, most of it is, is just racist. But then the end of it is like really interesting. Yeah. So. Most of it's just racist. I mean, it's, it's very, I don't know. It, it is very interesting to read it because most of it's all about how, how much better England is than Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the end, he, he falls in love with a girl who's, FYI, she's half English, but also half Swiss, which is, I guess, the only country in Europe which is like halfway okay because they're Protestant. <laughs> Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. But anyway, okay. she also is like really into him. And she writes yeah. all this. So she only speaks French to him. And he's like, no, you have to speak English. And then she speaks back in French. And he's like, do you want to be punished? And she's like, she just speaks to him in French again. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, he doesn't actually punish her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jane Eyre has a lot of like the racist kind of stuff. But it's, it's about because it's about colonialism and it's about being tainted by colonialism. And so you can, you can of course read it like you're being tainted because those people aren't good, but also you're just being tainted by the stuff that you're doing in the West Indies. It's not good. Like making money from that kind of stuff is not okay. Anyway, time to read your book if you feel like it. It's pretty sexy. She does get all her money, though, from the West Indies, doesn't she? And that's problematic, yeah. Well, her name's Jane Eyre, right? She inherits Mm -hmm. the money. Spoiler, it's in her name. (laughs) Wow. Well, Lane is like, who am I talking to? <laughs> Spoiler alert, they end up together and she yeah. gets the money. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, her name's like, it's not him, her name isn't like Jane Eyre married, but it definitely is, you know, she's she's the heiress. Of yeah. All of that. yeah. She inherits all of that money and that is problematic, actually. Uh, everybody Maybe else, who, everybody else who's book- been linked to that money has died. Mm-hmm. Sequel. Yeah. <sighs> The Haunting of Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like it. So our episode on Devil and Winter, if you can believe it, was actually even longer than what we released to you guys because at the end we kind of digressed and ended up talking about Clepis and her tendency to include nuggets about future books and references to past characters. So here is our discussion on that. But there are so many Clepis references. So Cam Rohan, it, it, we talked about it, but this is the novel where he gets introduced. And he is in... He's not in the next one, but then he's in, like, all the rest. He's in Again the Magic is his big one. Again the Magic. You mean Mind Till Midnight? They, n- maybe. I forget. He's in Mind Till Midnight. Sure. He's the hero of Mind Till Midnight. Yes. And then he finds out he has a matching puka tattoo to the Hathaways dude. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. So he's in all um, the Hathaways books. That said, so he is, like, a brother figure to D- Evie mm-hmm. and is the right-hand man to... Sebastian mm-hmm. once Sebastian takes over but he has this weird scene with 
Daisy? I mean, I, the first time you read this book, you're like, okay, Daisy and Cam are going to get married in the next book. Yeah, but it was a weird scene. It wasn't like a yay, Daisy and Cam are going to get married. It was a like, that's weird. Guess they're shacking up. Okay, so this is a major, major spoiler for like three or four books. Okay, great. So I'm just putting it out there. Let me say that in this book, Daisy said she wants either this book or the next book. Daisy talks about how she wanted to marry someone like in her books, someone who is going to end up being a secret Irish earl. What she does doesn't Sam say end up being the son no. of an Irish earl. She doesn't say secret Irish earl in this one. She says like bookish kind, whatever, but she doesn't describe that. She says it in some books. But she talks yeah. about it in one of the books about how she wants to marry someone who's a secret. I, you know, she always something about that. And I was like, whoa. So I think it's one of the previous books. I don't think it's in the next one because okay. Clapus was setting Cam up with Daisy. Clapus was setting Cam up with Daisy. And I don't know why she didn't go for it. This is a blog post on a random WordPress blog, blog from 2011 called Could It Be Seaton? Who knows? Um, it was published March 9th, 2007. Um, quote, Lisa said she tried like three outlines with Cam and her editor kept saying it wouldn't work. So Daisy got her long suffering love instead. Straight from Lisa's lips, pinky promise. <laughs> Clavis's previous account of why she couldn't pair Dick Cam up with Daisy was slightly different. Clavis wrote on a blog called Squawk Radio on March 6th, 2006. Originally, I had intended to pair Daisy with a very different kind of hero, a minor character from Devil in Winter called Cam Rohan. Cam is an exotic half-gypsy croupier, problem with that, and after he and Daisy have a brief encounter in Devil in Winter, I thought they would be a great couple. However, as I started Scandal, I realized Cam and Daisy were too much alike. Okay. I've always found the best chemistry to come from a pairing of opposites. So Cam is on a temporary hold while I come up with just the right heroine and plot for him. Well, I mean, uh, that's also what she did. Came up with yeah, but would you? I forget Daisy's book entirely. (laughs) So here's the deal with Daisy. We keep talking about how all these women's only ambition is to get married and then live a life of privilege. In in Daisy's book, her father literally calls her a parasite and says all she wants to do is lie around and read books all day. Yep. Which um, I hate to agree with Mr. Bowman, but it's true. And of course, the dude she marries, he's been in love with her for like, ever it's unrequited love blah 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 well and I actually think like I, I forget why exactly I was so bored by Daisy and her love affair but that's the same for me very boring I will say I think Cam as someone who has lived a very like he might be superstitious but he's lived a very practical existence like having to get by as a tinker of sorts in a society that inherently doesn't accept him. Mm -hmm. 
and you know exist in this dark underbelly with gambling hells and like the worst of people compared with Daisy's not only very privileged upbringing but like manic pixie dream girl esque mentality. Mm-hmm. While I, I think that would have been a much more interesting dynamic to navigate than Daisy's weird ass arranged marriage. Yeah. And I, I don't hate Cam's book in the Hathaway series, so this isn't like a criticism of I, that one. I, I think I like, the Hathaways is her best series. I think it's way better than the Wallflowers. So like, I, mm-hmm. this isn't a criticism of like what she ended up doing with Cam, but I think Daisy and Cam would have been interesting. That said, if I was rooting for anything, it would have been Cam and Evie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, I guess. Which I usually hate. I usually hate the, like, best friendship means love is imminent. Yeah. Because I think it devalues male and female friendships, and it's so pervasive. Yeah. That said, given how much sleep Sebastian lost over it, I kind of would have loved if, like, Evie realized what she really needed was somebody she could sort of emotionally rely on who could tell her honestly what he was thinking at all times. And that was Cam. Yeah. So I think my favorite ending to Devil in Winter would have been Evie giving a big fucking middle finger to Sebastian. She kills him or something? No, just being like, you fucking have fun. Send me the country. I'm taking Cam. You can find <laughs> a new floor person. And I'm going to go have sex with this dude in the country. We're effectively, I'll give you your money. So we'll stay married until you get that. But then bye-bye, we're getting divorced and I'm marrying this dude. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. I hated Sebastian so much. I know. I don't know. He's he's my my one my one alpha exception, I guess. You can have it. You're right. He's not like super alpha, so whatever. But like I exception granted, man. I have I hate angst except for Ramsey's. I get it. It must be in the next book that she says it. Because maybe in her book she says it. She must. It has to be in her book. Now that I think about it, because she was like, she was talking to, um, she's talking to Lillian or Evie and she's like, oh, what about, cause they're like, who do you want to marry? And she's like, well, what about Cam Rohan? And they're like, dude, he's a gypsy croupier who works at a gambling hell. And she was like, yeah, but maybe he's a secret Irish Earl or something. Okay. And they're like, that uh, only happens in your books. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's what I'm going to read next. Other Clapus tropes in this one. So they talk about Derek Craven. He's the previous gambling hell owner to whom Sebastian is compared. So mm-hmm. there's this dude who's like, wow, I've never seen another man like that walk through a gambling hell like he owns it. We haven't read those yet, have we? I mean, I've no. reviewed them. And I don't think we will. We didn't like I, them. I don't think so. I, I don't mind it. I'm not a huge Derek Craven fan because I don't like infidelity in my romances. All I will say. Um, about Those books that. also went a little too angsty for me. They're extremely angsty, extremely angsty. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they they talk about it. I'm not sure who Lord H is, unless it's um, the the first one in the Gambler series who marries um, what's her name? I can't remember. Oh, Lord Hawkmore. I think it might be. Yeah, it, it's H A L something. Yeah. He shows up at the end and he's like, I haven't seen a, a gambling hell owner like this yeah. since the 20 years ago. I'd sweep you off your feet if it was still there. And I was like, this is weird. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure if that's him or not. So Sebastian does hire a former Bow Street runner 
as a private yeah. investigator. We're not yeah. sure which one it was, but that's that's fine. And then they talk about how Sebastian makes a deal with Bradshaw's brothel. We all remember Gemma. From Worth Any Price. Mm-hmm. 